0: can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today
1: at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy welcome to wired to hunts rut fresh radio bringing you the latest reports from the whitetail
2: woods and now your hosts casey smith and tyler jones this is rut fresh radio powered by vortex i'm your host tyler jones and this week we're talking about how changing weather patterns can bring killer success this time of year We have some phone guys on the phone right now that don't want to do it in the normal way for some reason. I'm not sure why, but we've got Mark Kenyon, we've got KC Smith, and we're all in three different places this week uh, across the U.S. Mark, where are you at, actually?
0: Well, I'm I'm still at home in Michigan, uh, but leaving here shortly for Idaho for my first whitetail hunt of the year. So, uh, just hectically, frantically pack in and prepping and trying to make sure I forget as few of things as possible. I know there'll be something, but, uh, hopefully not my bow or release at least <laughs>
2: How about grizzly spray, man.
0: Yeah. I don't know my, my spots that I'm hunting this year. Hopefully there should not be grizzlies. If plan a comes together, we will not need bear spray. Uh, if I have to fall down to like plan C or D, then I'm in you know, all sorts of trouble and, uh, <laughs> bears will be <laughs> not the only thing on the list.
2: Yeah, do you uh, do you forego like the tree stand snacks when you're in grizzly country?
0: <laughs> no, I don't forego I don't forego snacks, but I do forego nose jammer because that's like uh, oh. just putting like a bakery at the base of your tree stand and asking for bears <laughs> to come and
2: gnaw on you. So does it really smell really good? Oh my gosh, have you not smelled nose jammer? It, no, is it like make you hungry the whole time? I swear
0: to to <laughs> goodness, it smells like a vanilla cookie or something it's like it's just Mm. a really delightful cookie cake factory kind of smell and it is strong and no doubt about it it'd bring a bear in in a (laughs) hurry
2: could you not do that with like a tide pod you know what i mean not eat it but uh put it in you know the wash and just make your stuff smell really good and jam some noses
0: yeah i think that that'd be a great idea in certain parts of the country maybe not (laughs) uh maybe not some of these spots (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) well that's good man i i um i'm glad to know you're a very careful guy in grizzly country i actually have a guy that goes to my church that has uh he lived in alaska for some time and i was talking to him yesterday about things and the greater yellowstone trip and uh we um he he was like kind of a little bit making fun of our um you know strategies there uh (laughs) with how careful we were He's like, I guess we just get used to them. It's probably better safe than sorry, you know. So, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna let you borrow a gun next time though, because uh, <laughs> nine millimeter is not enough. So uh, I don't know. That's what i was saying. Until you've tested it on a grizzly, can you really say that though? Yeah,
0: that's true. It's it's you all I mean? just hypothetical, hoping and wishing until the, the <laughs> S, the, the real stuff. It's the fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. So KC, you are down south or southwest. Out in Arizona. Are you still in Arizona right now?
3: I am still in Arizona, yeah. Flagstaff is where uh, we stayed the night after we left the mountains. And uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty place here, man. I, I very much enjoy getting to hunt elk, not in grizzly country. So I plan on doing that as much as I can.
2: <laughs> uh, Mark, KC used to say a black bear is just an oversized coon, man. It is. So. I agree with that.
3: I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> you just
0: kick him in the nose and they are gone yeah
3: yeah, they're fine. Yeah. They're,
0: they're pretty darn harmless once you uh, spend a little time around it. But I think I was telling you uh, Tyler the other day that growing up in Michigan, black bears were kind of uh, exotic, I guess. And so mm-hmm. when we would go up north and black bears started showing to back up around like our deer camp and stuff, my family was like very on edge about it. like if you were gonna go to the bathroom like fifty yards away from the cabin or something, they'd be like make sure you bring your gun. <laughs> <laughs> and now I look back on that and think it's hilarious because uh, we are so on edge about black bears but yeah now they're just they're just big raccoons and uh, yeah. we're like a black like a black lab almost in my eyes in many cases so uh, they're uh, yeah. they're much less intimidating than their cousins out west the first yeah, time sure. that
3: I ever went or uh, not the first time probably the third time I went elk hunting my dad would pull me out of school when I was a kid and we'd go and it was pretty awesome but um, I was probably ten. And I was pretty freaked out about bears, kind of like that, just because, you know, Texan, I ain't ever seen a bear, you know. And so somehow or another, I ended up at camp midday by myself. I think they went to go get water or something, and I heard something outside the camp, uh, outside of the tent, and, dude, I was freaking out. And finally, like, after 15 minutes, I had the courage to stick my head out the window, and it was just a trash bag just flopping in the breeze.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> my, <laughs> playing some serious tricks. It can, man. Yeah. It's cool being here yeah. though, and like uh, there's a lot of the you know, the oaks. Uh, I don't are they Monterey Oaks? I don't really know what it is that are these, you know, mountain wide oaks over here, but um, you'd be walking around and you'll see like trees with busted branches and stuff. You know, you can tell like oh a black bear probably fell out of that tree trying to get there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well so, so sorry, go ahead, Mark.
0: I was just gonna say um speaking of being out there hunting elk uh there's been some elk hunting success within the wired hunt family this past week because i think you got an update casey yes. and tony peterson killed bull last week too i don't think that's been shared on here yet so uh hopefully tony will share that story with us one of these days um, yes. but that was pretty sweet he killed a bull in colorado so that's one one bit of good news casey you you've got more Yeah. So, uh, I actually shot a cow yesterday, which was pretty awesome.
3: (laughs) First cow I ever shot. I've shot a few bulls, but, uh, I, um, just, uh, a word to the wise out there. Um, when you go to do tag applications in certain States, pay attention (laughs) to what you're doing. Don't do it hastily. (laughs) Don't do it on a phone. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, long story short, I ended up with a cow tag, a cow-only tag in Arizona. And for about uh, three or four hours, I was real sad. And then after that, I got pretty really hyped. And then um, by the time we got here, I was stoked about it. And it was actually pretty cool because it was a challenging hunt because I had to hunt elk differently than I ever have. I'm a pretty aggressive bugler, just chasing down type guy when it comes to elk hunting. And um, that doesn't work too good with cows. So, uh, I had to work on my stalking, had to work on... Uh, a lot more strategy as opposed to just like going in there and blowing them up kind of thing you know and uh it was fun and uh got to uh it was the third day of season but the second full day of hunting that we had and uh was uh blessed to shoot a cow about three quarters of mile off from the road all downhill pack out and had uh four guys including me we didn't even have to go back in just grabbed all the meat loaded up on packs and Hit the road, man. So uh, we've got coolers full of delicious elk meat ready to start the season. You couldn't mm. raise up much better than that. <laughs> I know, dude. I'm telling you. Like, uh, it was pretty sick. I, uh, we actually called these cows in with cow calls. And uh, I'll try not to make this too long. But this cow came in and gave me like a 30-yard frontal. And I was looking at her, and I was like, you know, what? like, that ain't as big as a bull <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know about taking a 30-yard frontal on this cow right here. So I decided elected to pass because there was more elk behind her kind of pushing her. I was like, well, she's going to keep moving. So well, She uh, goes to a 90 to the left, and I, I draw when she goes behind a tree. She still freaks out. It's super quiet. I guess she heard me moving, or maybe the other cow saw me or something. I don't know. But then she like did a half moon out to an unknown range, and I was like, hmm <laughs> perfect quarter away stopped her with a cow call and uh i knew about how far she was i knew she was uh, somewhere around 40 so i put my 30 uh, at a 20 and 30 pin and i put my 30 at her spine and let it fly and i couldn't have uh put a dot on the cow better as to where i hit her and uh like a 75-yard track job and she piled up. It was it was awesome, man. I just did it's so great. Cause I've had some blood trails not go super great. Uh, you know, if you hunt enough, that's gonna happen, right? And this past uh summer, I shot a hog that was just absolutely smoke city. And I was experimenting with some broadhead stuff. I was using a smaller single bevel um just because I feel like if I talk about things I should use them as opposed to just make inferences and trash things that when I, you know, have never put it to use, you know what I mean? Sure. So and uh that didn't work out well. I had a pretty pretty good blood trail and lost the pig. So ever since then, uh if the blood, you know, if I don't see the animal fall, I'm pretty nervous. And uh had some guys with me who were kind of uplifting and saying, ah, oh, it's going to be good, man. Everything's fine." And sure enough, uh, it was great. That's. Mm. That's terrific.
0: Congrats, yeah. right, man
3: thanks man mm. appreciate for, it i'll save you some steaks for whenever you come down and hunt we'll have some cows mm. some elk steaks i
2: like that idea <laughs> fajitas fajitas it, we Lamanos. had
3: steaks last night at like 12 30 a.m which uh <laughs> for us at home is 2 30 uh arizona's weird time zone so like we're two hours behind central we're like on you know pacific time right now or whatever so uh we uh we've been
2: very pacific yeah very
3: very pacific whenever we talk about our times
2: around here <laughs> it's a horrible um, joke <laughs> okay well let's get back to some serious talk mark uh, uh
3: yeah laughing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh mark the forecast for idaho is it have you pumped or are you uh just kind of like ho-hum about it
0: yeah man it, it's good um mm-hmm. we we are thankful that we changed the dates from what we usually do because in my past past couple of years we've been hunting out there, me and Hilliard have been going and hunting that first week of the season. And this year, that first week out there was like 99, 100 degrees, 101 degrees, like screaming hot. Um, but that weather changed over the last few days. Cold front has moved through and looks like there's going to be some some rain actually hitting while we're traveling out there and then like right when we get there that day the rain's going to be kind of petering out and then stopping and so it's kind of a at least if, if i could write it up that's about as good of a situation as i could ask for cold front comes through bunch of rain and then it's raining like the day you get there so i can do a little scouting or i can slip into where i want to hunt silently and perfect that first day and then it stops. And I think anytime you get that first day or two after a several-day rain event, they just seem to really, really get after it as far as movement. So, yeah. so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. It's going to be – the highs are only going to be in the low 60s. Um, and then mm. the mornings are going to be down to the, like, 30s and 40s. So I think it's going to be – it's going to feel like fall, you know. It's going to be fall. And uh, we're, uh, we're pretty stoked about it. I, I don't know – you know, there, there's a bunch of moving parts as far as um, you know how the hunting's going to be outside of that. there's there's been some other new details come to light from some folks I' know down there as far as far as some weird things going on. there was like some new hunting pressure that I heard from another person and there is a house, I guess, that was built right on the edge of some of the public land that we've been hunting uh, that I guess is right where. The deer used to go and feed and now there's gonna be a house there. So, you know, I don't know if our plan A is gonna work out there. Um, but weather will be good and, and we'll be you know, staying on our toes and
2: we'll better get off. that grizzly spray out. Yeah, I know, right? will <laughs> so be
3: feeling
0: frisky with that cold weather.
3: That's right, man.
2: They are gonna be hungry for <laughs> Michigan thin mints.
0: <laughs> but I'm I'm still feeling good. I'm still gonna stay like my my uh my predictions for the upcoming week in the Western United States, I think should be pretty decent with that weather.
3: Mark, we've uh, hunted the opener in some of those, you know, early, so like September one type openers quite a bit. And it's just like a popular thing to do, but I'm always curious because it's like people just don't want to hunt for the next three weeks. And all of a sudden everybody's pumped about October. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've always kind of thought that maybe there's like a really nice little cushion right in there where, the woods are kind of empty. There's some seasons that are open. More acorns are falling depending on where you're at. You know, like, do you feel like it's actually just advantageous to be hunting mid-September as opposed to trying to hunt an opener, you know, outside of weather conditions?
0: Well, you know, that that's exactly why we're doing this. That's that's the exact theory that we're testing. So mm-hmm. we've had problems the last couple of years. with like, tons of guys, lots and lots and lots of people out there that first week. Um, and we decided, you know what, let's just, you know, let's just see if later in the month, if that pressure goes down because, you know, the opening day excitements faded off and people that were traveling from out of town are off doing other things or chasing elk or something. So we're hoping that these deer will be, um, not quite as uh, boogered up as they were those first couple times. And, and we'll find out, you know, maybe, <laughs> Maybe there will, there will still be this like residual pressure that's impacting the deer. And, you know, they're still going to be way back deep in the cover and not moving in daylight. And maybe we'll just be bummed out because we didn't get that first night of good hunting like you get mm-hmm. on opening day. Or maybe we'll get there and these deer are kind of comfortable again. And it's cooler. And there's not mm-hmm. 19 other yahoos driving around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I I don't know the other in there. So
3: you're admitting to being a
0: Yahoo yourself and then you're encompassing the other Yahoo's as well. That's
2: good. 100% a (laughs) self-proclaimed Yahoo. Oh man. You know, I think the cold weather is, is definitely going to be a key factor that helps you guys have a good hunt. If you do, which I think you guys, it looks like are setting up to do that. Um, We've seen within our guests this week, Um, And you guys will see that there are, there's definitely a motif of cold weather and good success. And those play out. A lot of them are, a couple of these are kind of Western type states too. So if that helps you kind of hype, Mark, we've got Ron Stoddard in Nebraska. We've got Parker McDonald, who was actually in Kentucky and slocked a couple of does, if you can imagine that. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Yeah. Eric Albus from Milk River Outfitters up in Montana, which is pretty close there to Idaho. Uh, and then Brennan Nading from the breaking point uh, there in North Dakota, all of them saw really, really good movement with colder weather patterns or cold fronts in the first couple of weeks here in, in uh, September. So hopefully that plays out in the second their third week here coming up for you guys. And uh, I'll be checking in with you and Mr. Hilliard as we go.
0: Man, I'm excited to listen to these because uh, it'll be, it sounds like, very relevant intel for us as we kick off our hunt and uh and i gotta say even here in michigan uh we we had a front hit over the last couple days and it just blew up the movement too you know just to, just so you would expect it to um cameras lit on fire the field that i can see from my house and from driving around lots and lots of deer out feeding as soon as the rain passed through um one of the bucks like the number one buck i'm really hoping to get a crack at in michigan he was daylight the last two days on a camera of mine. So they're, they're out and about. And, uh, you know, I was going to say hunting season not open, but we actually just had a youth season open the last, the last two days. And, and I was seeing a whole lot of successful hunters. So I think, um, if your season's open just about anywhere, if you've got that system coming through or has just passed through, it's, uh, it's good news.
2: Absolutely. All right, now on the phone, we've got Brennan Nading from The Breaking Point. You guys have been breaking some records out in North Dakota right now. You guys are tearing it up, man. What's going on?
4: We've had an exceptional start to the 2022 season. We uh, kicked it off up in North Dakota. Uh, the season opened last Friday there, uh, Labor Day weekend, and we were blessed with great weather for, for opening weekend. Um substantial cold front temperatures dropped wind switched out of the northwest and uh we just we had great deer movement and uh, we had a lot of guys in camp and, and just took advantage of the the cold front and we're blessed to knock some deer down
2: sure thing man so when you talk about a cold front um and a great cold front that is what what kind of temps are we looking at like what is the change in temperature from what it was to what it ended up being
4: yeah, so the the week prior to season up in North Dakota, uh, temperatures were pretty steady in the mid to upper 80s. Um, nighttime lows in the mid 60s, and uh, opening day and actually the first three days of the season, I don't think the highs even hit 70. So we were talking daytime highs were you know probably 15 15 to 20 degrees cooler, and mm-hmm. overtime or overnight lows were you know from 65 down into the 40s so you know 20 degree temperature drop um and it was it was huge the deer were the deer were loving it
2: yeah so is that uh when you say the deer were loving it are you, do you mean like the bucks were coming out in daylight or they were coming out earlier or they were just moving more period or what do you think
4: so yeah we run a lot of cell cameras up there to uh, monitor deer movement and that week prior to season when the temperatures were in the 80s like I mentioned um, it was it was a lot of last light movement the deer they obviously still move and feed and do all that stuff but you know they tend to do it a little bit later when it's that warm out and when those temperatures drop we were seeing similar movement you know an hour even up, almost two hours before uh, dart and uh, it just mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier
2: obviously
4: do you get mornings them. um we do not out there this is uh this is my 11th season hunting up in north dakota and i think we've probably hunted mornings uh less than a handful of times simply because uh just how the land lays out out there uh it's flat the deer can see forever and if they're out in the fields it's near impossible to get in on them and get into a tree so uh we have, we just decide not to hunt mornings I feel like it gives us better success rates in the afternoons so yeah we we sleep in and, and hunt the afternoons only early season
2: yeah do you so do you feel like that um you kind of have a handle on where the deer are bedding or like do you ever i guess do you ever get um does it ever get weird to you when a good cold front comes in do you ever feel like when you're going in in the evening you might uh, walk in somewhere that the buck is up on his feet at the time you're walking in, or do they, are they pretty much shut down and bedded till the last couple hours of daylight?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, I feel like deer get up throughout the day, you know, four or five times and just kind of feed close by to where they're bedding. Um, most of the country that we're hunting in North Dakota is, uh, cattail country. So these deer are living in the sloughs, um, by the cover of the cattails. And I mean, it's, it's insane. I don't know if you've ever been into the cattail marshes in North Dakota, but these, these cattails are 12 to 15 feet tall. Like it's uh, a, it's a jungle in there. And, uh, those deer just absolutely disappear in there. And it's, it's no question why they live in there and feel safe in there. Nothing can get to them. Uh, so I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, walking in, obviously when a, a cold front hits, we like to be in the tree, you know. Maybe an hour or two earlier than we would if a cold front hadn't hit um you know if it's warmer weather, we won't get in the tree until you know two hours before sunset. If mm-hmm. a cold front hits, we might you know get in there an hour or two earlier than that, uh just because we're expecting and hoping for early movement
2: so i'm I'm assuming they're just bedding in those cattail marshes and so are you like are are you hunting bedding? Well, do you consider it that you're hunting bedding or that you're hunting those deer as they're moving out to ag fields?
4: We, so in the part of North Dakota that we hunt, it is legal to feed deer. So we are, when we're looking at an area, we are trying to find bedding and we're trying to find a good food source. Early season, typically we're looking for soybeans, alfalfa, or sunflowers, Um, corns good too, but. Corn typically doesn't seem to be as effective until the calendar gets closer to October. Um, Mm -hmm. So early season, we're kind of targeting beans, alfalfa, and sunflowers. And we, we dump food in between, you know, where we're expecting deer to bed in sloughs and head out to these satellite fields, you know, these big food sources. And we're trying to intercept them. We're trying to get them to come past us before they head out off to the
2: main food source. sure that's cool man that's a. Uh, i'm from texas so that uh that is not an abnormal or an alien thing to me at all to feed deer yeah. i know there's a lot of people i know even mark you know is from michigan and it's it's weird i'm sure for him and many other people that listen but it's uh good on you man that you're you're very transparent and, and admit that because that is something that sometimes people like to rage about that never have any experience in that. So it's not as easy as one might think to, to kill a deer, even though you've got food on the ground that you've put there. No,
4: absolutely. There's a lot, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, dumping food on the ground. It's a lot of it is, is location, you know, putting those in the right spots where you got, you know, where a a mature deer is going to feel safe coming there in the daylight and, you know, just putting it between, you know, it's, it's pretty methodical you know when you come down and think about it try to get it close enough to his bed but far enough you know from the food source that he's got to get up and move and you know show himself in the daylight it's really Mm -hmm. no different than you know somebody putting in a water hole it's the same draw i mean they got water everywhere they look out in north dakota and you know in these in these sloughs so i mean it's no different than somebody in iowa or kansas or ohio or something you know installing a water hole on their property that's essentially what we're doing we're just putting something to make those deer swing past us in wide open country on their way to a big food source
2: that's right man i'm not like necessarily a big ted nugent fan but i heard him say one time so you're telling me i can't take the corn from this field and put it over here to, <laughs> to uh, kill yeah. a deer that is like legally within my means and uh you know, bag limit. So exactly. it is a good point, man. It's like, you yep. know what, we we were created uh as a supreme being here and uh we, yep. we get uh we get as long as we stay within the bag limits, you know, then that's that's what the bag limits are created for is to keep us from over harvesting. So
5: yeah, anyway, exactly. cool deal.
2: Uh yep. I, I appreciate you you admitting that and, and not admitting that but talking about it because it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Now you talked about how uh, the cold fronts are bringing in a Northwest wind. Is that yep. important to, is that just something to say that, that explains that it is a cold front for you? Or are you saying that you guys prepare for cold fronts and that you try to be in areas where cold fronts are, therefore your stand locations and that kind of thing are picked out due to those Northwest winds.
4: Yeah. So when we're scouting and, and, uh, kind of picking out stand locations and whatnot and where we're running our cameras, we try to, uh, we try to have, you know, pretty much options for every wind direction, um, whether it's north or south, east or west. And uh, predominantly when those cold fronts hit, the first day or two is usually a northwest. Um, so most of our spots, um, we try to set up for a northwest. But on the other side of that, usually, and it, it was perfect example is opening weekend. We had, so the season opened on Friday and we had northwest friday night saturday night and then sunday night the wind switched to the south and i'm kind of a mark gurry nerd and uh that guy (laughs) is insane and i listen to a lot of stuff you know that he puts out and the knowledge that he shares is just through the roof if you're not paying attention to him you're missing out but he says you know those northwest winds are great he goes but the first south wind after a few days of north winds is just as good. And on day three of the season, sure enough, that wind switched to south. Well, we had spots that we'd been sitting on the first two days because we couldn't get in them on a the northwest. Went in there on the south and and kill one of the biggest deer that we shot all week up there on that first south wind. And I I've noticed that a wind switch after you know a few days of you know if it's a north wind for three days and then a south. Or if it's a south wind for a whole week and then it switches to north, like it's, it seems when that, that wind does a 180 degree switch, that's when those deer, I don't know if it's because, uh, you know, they just, where they're bedding and where they're feeding, like everything's new to them for that day. They're, you know, trying to figure stuff out a little bit earlier or what it is, but it seems like when that wind does a 180 degree switch, it just gets those deer on their feet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Man, I agree. That's a, you know, I think it's, it's a changing condition thing. You know, anytime you can see some sort of a changing condition, there's a chance that uh, something changes in that, that deer's life or in his daily habits. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you may work a nine to five and you go to work every day for six weeks or six months or whatever. And then uh, you're like, oh, now it's time for me to go to vacation and things are different. And like you just have more excitement and you're and you're ready to go and you're packing, you're doing different things in your life. And I think it's similar to a deer where it's like, you know, you get a bunch of days of Souths and fairly warm weather and all of a sudden the North comes in more than anything. It's just a change. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure the cold weather and everything helps too, but you know, it's it's like a, it's just something that, that makes things different in his world. So, um, dude, I appreciate you hopping on now. As far as the the deer movement goes in the last week uh, for North Dakota, what do you rate that as on a scale of one to ten?
4: Opening weekend, the first three days, I would have rated it. I mean, damn near a nine. I mean, it was it was good. Awesome. It could have been better, but it was it was damn good. And then uh, after the the first three days, it, it dropped. It was we we stuck it out. We had you know the guys that tagged out. We had. Three guys tagged out the first three days. That first weekend of the season, I would damn near rate it a nine. It was about as much as you could ask for for early season, Um, you know, getting that cold front and the wind switches were just ideal. So that was a nine. And then after that, I would, it dropped significantly. Um, Most of the guys tagged out and headed out for work, but me and Aaron continued to hunt, but the temperatures climbed back into the eighties and the deer movement just dropped back off again. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we grinded for the next four days. I think it was four or five days. And then we finally got another cold front and Aaron ended up killing on the second cold front. Um, so it, it went from a nine down to probably a, a three or four and right back up to, you know, in that eight to nine
2: range when another yeah. cool front came through. So very weather dependent, it seems like, um, Oh yeah. So hundred percent. Okay. So going forward here, Um, in the next week, I don't know if you've looked at weather or anything like that, but assuming that weather is very important, how do you rank from a scale of one to 10, the, the, the deer movement and what you assume it will be in the next week?
4: Well, I'm kind of, I'm sitting on hold right now, kind of pissed off to be honest, because (laughs) Aaron, the guy that runs around and films with me all fall, um, he got summoned to jury duty back home in Wisconsin. And, uh, so we had to come back to Wisconsin last night and he was supposed to have jury duty this morning. Well, he found out late last night that the jury duty was resolved. The case was closed. So now we're stuck and there is another cold front hitting in North Dakota tomorrow. And, uh, Oof. we're, we're going to miss it. <laughs> um, but we're gonna, we got, we got some other plans this week. We kind of got a, make a big loop, um, and get a bunch of cameras out in a few other states to get ready for later in the fall. But, uh, if you're in North Dakota, uh, tomorrow to yeah, Tuesday is going to be a, a good day. And then, uh, it looks like another cold front is going to hit, um, Friday, um, not as big a cold front, but I think it's going to be a good one. And, uh, I know a lot of, a lot of states are coming into season here. I know Kansas, um, early muzzleloader, and I believe archery, just came in today, and I know Wisconsin opens uh, this weekend. Uh, it looks like so the weekend back in like the Midwest is going to be on a little bit on the warmer side. But I'm noticing in the long term forecast around like the 22nd, 23rd, there's going to be a, a really good drop coming. So that second week of season might might be pretty good. You might want to burn a, a day of vacation.
2: It's awesome, dude. Well, let me tell you this in texas it's pretty much always hot this time of year so <laughs> i mean anywhere is better than here this time of year usually yeah. but i uh, to be honest we did have a we had my my kids had dropped off of school this morning and they were like it is freezing outside it was 61 this morning and they were freezing cold so uh, i guess you could call that a cold front man we'll take it you know 61 yeah. is low or whatever yeah. but man brendan i i appreciate you hopping on and doing this man and and uh you guys have had a a killer year so far. Um, you know, I hope the best for you going forward. What's, the, what's uh, the best way for somebody to connect? Do you see what you got going on? Check, check out some of those velvet deer and early season deer you've been shooting.
4: Absolutely. No, we got, uh, you can check out our Facebook page. It's just at The Breaking Point. And then uh, on Instagram, our handle is at TV, And you can find us, uh, probably the best way to find us is on YouTube. Uh, just search The Breaking Point TV. And we are dropping our ninth season on YouTube right now, and uh, 14 brand new episodes will be released on YouTube uh, throughout the fall. Uh, that's all our content from last year. And at the same time, we do a semi-live series where we drop a new episode every Sunday throughout the entire year. Um, opening weekend action from last week actually just dropped last night on the channel. So you can see one of the, the velvet deer we killed opening day um, actually on the, on the channel already. And then, uh, we are actually doing a live, uh, series this fall where during the rut for six weeks, once a week, we're going to have live units in the field. And, uh, every Saturday we're going to do a broadcast where we've got three, four live units in the field across the Midwest and actually have live streaming hunting action from the tree.
2: That's awesome, man. Well, busy, busy. Appreciate what you guys do and. How hard you guys work at it, man. You guys put on a great, great show. And uh hopefully we'll talk to you again soon this year with some more big buck news.
4: Sounds good, man. I appreciate you reaching out to me.
2: All right, on the phone right now I've got Eric Albus. He's from Milk River Outfitters up in Montana, man. You guys have a, a pretty uh I guess you could say famous outfit up there. There's been a lot of TV show hosts and that kind of thing that have been in and out over the years, and that's kind of how I knew about you guys. Um Eric, how's everything going first of all, man?
6: Hey, everything's going great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Sure, no big deal, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about whitetails. I think this is something you guys are uh know a lot about. You get to you get to see a lot of whitetails up there in that country from what I understand. And um, I just kind of wanted to see w- this time of year what you guys are focusing on it looks like to me that you're looking at alfalfa fields and stuff like that a lot but is there any other is are there any other pieces to the puzzle that you're thinking about this time of year when you go out to hunt whitetails
6: yeah there are a few you know we we're very fortunate and blessed to live in a place where the whitetail deer actually move uh, from we can watch movement from the first of september to the end of november we see deer and watch deer watch bucks every day and we're one of the few places in the country that you can actually see buck movement in that mid to late September to early October time. We we still mm-hmm. see bucks moving day then, and we're mainly concentrating on feed patterns. Uh, Alfalfa is great. If you happen to get lucky and have a barley field nearby, they're hitting barley grain as well, and it just it makes it for a fairly easy hunt because the deer are patternable and predictable enough. Uh, sometimes the big deer are a little more sporadic in their movements. They'll be they'll be moving field to field at times, just checking things out, getting ready for the rut to start. Even this early.
2: Really? So they're kind of they, as soon as the velvet comes off, they're thinking about it, huh?
6: They're starting to think about it. We see some of the bigger deer as soon as the velvet comes off, will go nocturnal for several days, and then they'll show up on a different field, maybe a half mile away, and then just kind of work on a rotation, a two to three day rotation.
2: So as far as like, uh, in a, if you were thinking I'm going to go out for an evening to hunt whitetails and there's been a buck coming in the last two nights here, would you expect that that buck would show up if he did early in the, in the, in the evening or typically later? Cause for me growing up, at least I always think of the big buck coming out at last light or whatever, but is that the case with you, with where you're at there?
6: Here's a little different. I you know, you can I try to get everybody on stand by two o'clock in the afternoon because you just you never know. We've had we've had big deer show up here this week even out of the blue. I mean like at three thirty, four o'clock, come out in the field, eat a little bit, go back and then come out again closer to dark and, and eat one more time.
2: Mm-hmm. You ever see mid like just straight up midday movement uh to come out and eat um uh, this time of year?
6: I've seen the deer this time of year even just lay down in the alfalfa alpha, fields because our deer don't get pressured <laughs> very much. And sure, that makes them really sure. difficult to hunt. they not willing to go back into the brush and lay down.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pa- patterns are, are part of what makes it easier. I love going in in the evenings normally because f- for me, especially if I'm hunting public or something like that, I I don't see, you know, any deer. If I walk in a field, I know I'm pretty good until I get, you know, set up usually because those deer are going to hang back and, so I, I totally understand what you're saying there. Um, now, as far as, uh, as far as like your weather patterns lately, have you, have you guys experienced any drought, uh, any cooler temps, any hotter temps? What's it been like there?
6: We've been, we've been in another severe drought up here in northeast Montana, and the grasshoppers have been horrendously sick. Um, this first week of season, we experienced some temperatures in the hundreds and triple digits. And now it's cooled off a little bit for us, and we're looking at some daytime the last few days in the mid to upper seventies, lower eighties, and now Monday we're going to be nineties again. But the guys have still been seeing good deer movement, and and sporadically seeing those good bucks show up.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Okay. So, as far as have you guys had any any success on whitetail this year so far?
6: yeah we've we've taken we've taken a couple and we've had a couple of misses and we've had a couple of deer that had blood drawn on them that it wasn't fatal so the guys are still hunting so we have still got three or four hunters out here for the next couple of days and everything seems to be going well they're seeing enough buck moving to keep everybody happy
2: sure sure okay so as far as deer movement goes the last week what would you rank it on a scale of one to 10?
6: I'd put it about a six or a seven.
2: Oh, really? Okay.
6: I've had guys seeing, you know, anywhere from 60 to a hundred deer a night.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow, man, that's awesome. So going forward, is there a way to beat 60 to a hundred deer a night, or is it going to be about the same next week?
6: It's going to be, it's going to stay pretty consistent. Even through this full moon, they were seeing good numbers of the immature bucks and uh, those and fawns. Uh, It was just the mature bucks that were a little more sporadic. You know, they'd see one, see one of the good ones tonight and then it would be two nights later before they'd see him again.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome, man. Eric, I appreciate you a lot coming on the show and doing this with us. Um, Give me a quick plug. Where, where's the best place to find out what you guys are doing?
6: Uh, Best place to check us out is
2: www.MilkRiverOutfitters.com. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you, and have a good day.
0: We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store
1: or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver, And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth
2: now on the phone parker mcdonald from southern ground hunting some of you guys are probably pretty familiar with him he is a dose locking fool dude what's been going on
5: man just fucking
2: <laughs> that's right dude those are not safe around you i'll say that for
5: sure no man especially early season well, I mean, early season, middle season, and late season, I could always come <laughs> up with a good excuse. Yeah. Know? But early season for sure, I just like – to me, there's like not a better practice on a live target.
2: Yeah. And Dude, stuff, I just. I mean, you know. the only time they're safe is out of season, right? Yeah,
5: mostly, yeah.
2: <laughs> Depending <laughs> on what what vehicle you're driving and how distracted you are, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> – i've been known to swerve to try to hit
2: them dude that's the thing like down here in uh you're from you're actually from texas right you're from the my hood right yeah Yeah. so um the like down in the hill country man there's so many deer and they're little they're like tiny little deer you know and uh everybody down there has like a ranch hand which if people don't know what that is it's like a grill guard big you know heavy duty one because like it's not like it's not at all like when, like, if you'll hit a deer, it's when you'll hit a deer, and they just the grant, like the, the the ranch hands don't even get bent because the deer are so small, you know. Uh-huh. So, but uh, just reminded me of that. You're you're kind of one of those boys, you know. Like some of them guys down there, I'd say probably high school to college age. Uh, they they kind of use that ranch hand as an excuse to swerve. 2 a deer like you said so
5: yeah
2: that's right oh <laughs> uh, dude you've been in Kentucky for like a week straight right
5: yeah yeah we were here I'm actually driving home right now back to Alabama are you sad Kentucky what's that
2: are you sad to be driving home
5: oh uh, man I've actually I'm really excited to be going home it was a it was a fun week uh it was you know the weather was good usually I just get my butt beat down the whole time it's hot, mm-hmm. there's mosquitoes and ticks and poison ivy, and I just, my, my motto for this week was hunt dumb, because it always seems like that's the guys who kills bucks, uh, kill bucks <laughs> early the season. The dummies? Yeah, it's the fudge, man. Hey, see what you're saying about me. Yeah, no, no, um, <laughs> definitely not. I've been out here, I've been hunting this early season um, opener in Kentucky for several years, and... I I mean, I, I, you know, like a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast and and like you are, Tyler, you and Casey, I'm very analytical about how I set up and going in by water and doing all this stuff. And then you come back to camp and the guys who have 140 inch bucks are the guys that said, yeah, we just went in and set over beans next to the parking area.
2: I'm telling you, dude, that's the truth.
5: And and so I I thought my dad came this time and. (laughs) and i told him i was like we're just gonna hunt dumb we're gonna have fun we're gonna hunt dumb and just enjoy it and Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what we did so i'm going home actually feeling kind of like kind of refreshed you know Mm -hmm. not up which is good that's a good way to start the season
2: yeah for sure man that's you know that's a good actually a pretty interesting thought there it's just if you hunt dumb, in other words, you don't think too hard about where you're going. You just go and hunt and get out in the woods. You're kind of doing like you're taking pressure off, right? Because now uh, the the way that the hunt goes is not uh, doesn't make you feel like uh, that you're a bad hunter because you didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. And at the same time, like you're you're that lack of pressure just allows you to have more fun. And of course, I know especially. October late October comes around I know you're gonna be just like we we are and all these people that listen is like gonna be analyzing and trying to figure out exactly where those deer are but in an early season situation with your dad around man like that's a that's a great idea man so with that though you had a couple of chances at bucks right that uh
5: -hmm.
2: you know I guess we're dumb enough to be in the spot that you were in
5: well so uh, when I say I hunt dumb like uh, I still use the water. I bought a boat this year. I always, I've always used a kayak, and that'll wear you out. I bought a boat this year, and um, a couple of the hunts, you know, for a few of the hunts, I took the boat out and went and hunted the same spots I normally do that I kind of historically have uh, opportunity in. And I'll be honest with you, man, we had some of the best weather that I could possibly ask for for a early September hunt. But the deer just weren't doing what they normally do Um, for whatever reason. I don't know if the bucks were shedding velvet early and it kind of get them off of that summer pattern.
4: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, But the opening day is the only, uh, the only shooter buck opportunities that I had. I had, I saw one in the, in the morning, first thing Um, I had some squirrel hunters kind of spooking my direction. I just didn't have a shot. And then that evening uh, I think it was the same buck, but I had him at 20 yards, and I was fiddle-farting with my camera. <laughs> and, uh, I, I should have been hard-horned on opening day. So, you know, they kind of start splitting up and going into those their, their fall range, um, getting off of the beans and, and out of their bachelor groups and all that stuff. And so it was just a tough week, man. And, and it was typically like last year on this particular place, this, this WMA, there was 12 bucks that were killed on opening day mm, man this year <clears throat> put out a report that there was only one buck that was killed from saturday through through monday
2: <clears throat> wow
5: one buck in three days with a ton of people there and so you know that was pretty clear to me that the, the deer were just not doing what they normally do And uh, i don't know if it was because it was unseasonably cool um it could have been something with the moon phase you know i don't put a whole lot of stock mm-hmm. that most of the time but I mean, I, my mind could be changed after what I saw this week.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, that's part, man, that's part of being a good deer hunter too, right there is that, that your mind can be changed. I think, you know, to, to, yeah. to be able to go, these are the things I believe in when it comes to deer hunting. But, but if you, you know, plead your case and it's plausible and it's logical, like then I, I'm willing to listen to it and potentially try it. And if it works for me, then maybe be a believer, you know, so.
5: That's right. That's yeah. Right. So, and what's the, the go ahead. That they, um, like it, where I'm at in Alabama and, and probably very similar to what the public areas that you guys hunt in Texas, um, you have to be analytical, man. You have to be like hardcore. you got to find the unpressured area, pre, unpressured areas. And, um, and, and think about things. The thing about Kentucky and, and these kind of more Midwestern type states where you have a lot of farmland, the deer are just doing completely different things and so um that's why i like hunting this opener is because i mean i have some of the best opportunities i've ever gotten in my life hunting the kentucky opener uh because the, the velvet bucks are just kind of doing they're like i said people are who are killing them are hunting 200 yards from the parking area in a in a bean field that you can see from the road you know and like um <coughs> you can actually have those opportunities at mature deer uh in that scenario and, and in fact most of the people i talked to this week that saw bucks were seeing them in the bean fields and, mm. and i saw mm-hmm. i saw a pile of small bucks you know year and a half old deer um but as far as just like you know I, the, the only buck that i saw that actually had like an eight point or better rack was that opening day
2: yeah so what are they usually doing? What what patterns were you hunting them on starting out that you thought they would be using?
5: Well, usually there's a lot of pressure on the place, and so what I find is is these deer. It's part of the reason why I use water access is they'll go back to the the ridge, the ridges in the back of the property, close to the water, and and it really funnels the deer that are getting pressure. If you have dove hunters and squirrel hunters and deer hunters out there all at the same time. And then mm-hmm. all these deer back to the back corners. And so if you have a boat, you know, I, that's part of, that's really where I spend most of my time is in those very far back corners using the boat. And I literally might walk, you know, a hundred yards from my boat and it just, I always seem to get it. And, and then of course, finding, um, finding those funnels that kind of lead to, to beans has always been pretty productive. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the beans this year were, were very green. So you would think the deer would still be hitting them pretty hard. Uh, but I set over beans several times and I, I didn't see much. I really didn't see, uh, a whole lot of deer does, the does would be bedded in there, um, in those bean fields. And that can make it pretty tough to even get a shot when the deer are all bedded in the beans. They, they kind of bed out in the middle of the bean field so you can you set up and you know get up high and you see them but they're untouchable you can't get out there with them um hmm. so I, I typically try to hunt honestly rut funnels it kind of seems to be where i have the most opportunity at um in these early season hunts just because of the pressure the deer are running back to those using those same funnels and running back to that security cover
2: yeah are you are you seeing um do you feel like you see more deer movement this time of year in a pressure situation like this in the morning or the evening
5: um this trip this trip by far i saw more deer activity in the mornings and the the changing point for me right then was uh or for this one was i was getting in the middle of the bedding like right smack dab in the middle. One of the does that I shot was about to lay down when I shot her, Um, which is going to be the thick, thick cover around those bean fields. And Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times out out here, like Kentucky, a lot of places in Kentucky, a lot of places in the Midwest are going to have like CRP with like sycamore sapling type blocks that are right next to the beans or like a, it's almost like a buffer strip between the woods and the, and the bean fields. Mm-hmm. And I was finding that if I would get as close to those, that CRP sycamore junk, uh, that was where I was going to see deer and uh, your shot opportunities weren't, weren't going to be, uh, plentiful because it's so thick in there, but you're at least going to have a chance, uh, at seeing deer. And, and in fact, most of the deer that I, uh, most, most mornings going in at 4:30 in the morning, I, almost every morning I walked up on bedded deer they were just already bedded down before the sun came up Mm
0: -hmm.
4: Um,
5: and so i think that was kind of what was going on and the bucks you know i i just i think they were bedded down i don't think they were getting up at all during the daylight not much
2: Mm -hmm. do you uh do you if you're in that situation do you ever take a morning off or do you always try to find a place to hunt in the morning
5: um, we took we took one morning off this trip. Uh, I typically do not. Uh, mm-hmm. The only reason I took a morning off is because t- most of the time in the mornings is when I'm going out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and hunt a spot where I feel confident I could shoot a doe. Um, and in mm-hmm. the evenings, is, evenings is where I kind of go and try to try to hunt for a buck. But um, after I shot the first doe, I took off that next morning because like, I mean, the only thing I'd be going to hunt right now is a doe more than likely Uh, Mm -hmm. but every once in a while man i actually got my two years ago i got my opportunity and i missed uh a deer that probably would have went close to 150 um and it was a morning hunt at like 10 30 in the morning but i find on these early season hunts if you'll if you will really watch that wind direction because the wind can be so variable this time of year Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times if if you can be up in a tree when the wind direction changes or when it's forecasted to change, a lot of times you'll find those bucks adjusting to their, adjusting their bed to another spot. That's more favorable (coughs) for that wind. Uh, Mm Um, you know, so like that particular morning, uh, the wind changed at like 10 o'clock and sure enough, I was set up to where I thought a buck would be coming through to go to a different bedding area for that wind. And that's what happened. It happened almost like to a T in it. It doesn't happen like, like that a lot. Like usually your ideas suck, but <laughs> this time, it just kind of happened to work. And maybe it didn't work. Maybe I just, maybe it was just, you know, a coincidence, but um, that's, those are the times when I think that you can start getting, like putting the puzzle pieces together for these early season hunts. Um, to give yourself the highest odds of,
2: Of getting a shot opportunity at a buck man it sounds uh it sounds like there's a lot of variables this time of year i know that and um and so with that um the one thing that a guy can always look forward to is basically better weather new week new moon all that kind of stuff um different variables right that that can potentially help in a situation where he's struggling to find bucks currently so with that on a scale of one to 10 and tell me why what do you expect deer movement to be like in the next week
5: well there's the the one variable that i think changes a lot in farm country is when they start cutting the corn and last night uh yesterday afternoon they started cutting corn on this wma and i think for anybody who is going to be Hunting this coming week, they're cutting corn. A lot of those deer, I think, are living in those cornfields, and um, when they're standing, and they're cutting it right now. And if you can get close to some fresh-cut corn, I think a lot of bucks are going to die this week because of that one factor. Um, it, it forces them to get up and move from the place they've been, the places that they've been living and having security cover and kind of being untouchable out in the middle of those cornfields and mm-hmm. uh i have a lot of friends who are coming up this week and when i sent them when i sent them a picture of the combines out in the cornfield everybody got excited because that's a that's that can be like a game-changing factor on this farm country stuff
2: Mhm. cool man that's exciting that's definitely some a good variable to look forward to man it's something that uh takes a big swath of cover out of the equation and puts a bunch of uh, food in front of, you know, it, where deer normally eat. So I, think I like if, it. Dude. If
5: I had to put a number on it, I think it's going to go from about a, a one or a two that we experienced this week to probably a six or a seven. Oh, um, nice. Because it, it, it's happened before where they've cut it really, really early while we've been there for the opener. And as soon as they cut it, man, you start seeing deer just piling into that cornfield in it part of it feels like it should be a crime because there's just piles of corn out there in front of you. But hey,
2: Texas, it bro. We know all about it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it feels normal to me. You that's know?
2: right. That's <laughs> right, man. Yeah. It's, it's all about, it's all relative, man. So yep. that's cool, dude. Well, um, so I guess with that, that's exciting. Um, you know people can watch your stuff on youtube uh can hear your podcast. give me a quick rundown of uh, where they can find this kind of stuff man
5: yeah so youtube it's uh southern ground hunting just search that um if you see a chubby bearded guy with a bunch of tattoos and uh using a kayak or a boat that's probably me
2: um, are we gonna see the does uh being slocked from this hunt
5: absolutely yes sir um, and then uh and then you go to the podcast it's a part of the sportsman's empire podcast network uh and just you know you can search southern ground hunting and you'll find it there as well
2: cool man um there's some other more associated stuff that you're going to be doing coming out soon i think I, I don't know how much i can reveal about that but i'm excited to see that um and then also um uh, parker is a dose locker but he kills a lot of bucks too so i don't want that to i don't want that to be a, <laughs> a diss by any means he just shoots a lot of deer so it's definitely worth going checking out thanks for coming on the show giving us a rundown to kentucky man and i'm sure we will be talking to you later on this year
5: absolutely thanks tyler for having me on
2: all right now on the phone we've got ron stoddard he's from nebraska ron what's happening dude what's up man how's it going oh, it's going great dude i um we got some pretty good weather coming in here we've got like a a lot lower lows and we're hitting the dew point a lot more often which is good for us because we've been kind of dry and um you know helps keep some moisture around the ground so that's good and then just feels like deer season which i know uh feels the same for you right now because uh you shot a pretty good buck recently man Was he an eight point it is a ten point ten point yeah i saw pictures uh last night of it man it looked like he was he had come out of elva just recently right
7: yeah he uh was probably just coming out of velvet that day when I shot him.
2: Um, he
7: was bedded down in a CRP field on, off the edge of a bean field. And it actually was the first deer I saw that night. And he came in to about eight yards, and I shot him. And he went about 30 yards, and I was able to recover him.
2: Dude, I love... Making shots like under fifteen yards—it's like you almost don't even have to aim, you know. <laughs> no,
7: it was definitely pretty cut and dry, and
2: yeah, that's uh, cool, man.
7: He was actually right off the edge of a bean field, and I had the perfect wind and had a 20, 20 uh, degree temperature drop that day, mm-hmm. so it was almost like uh, he read the script, you know.
2: Sure, was it so that that deer was like uh, his destination that night was the beans.
7: Yeah, so he was. So it's just a really tiny piece of property, like maybe 10 acres, and it's right in between a big CRP field and a bean field. And it comes right down into a funnel. And I've always seen deer in there. And this deer, actually, I've had him on camera for five years. So, and Mm. he's never really been like a huge deer, huge deer, but he kind of meant a lot to me. And Mm -hmm. it was. A super fun hunt,
2: dude. I had a similar deer like that in Kansas a few years back. Let's see, 2015 was when I shot that deer. He's seven, I assumed he was seven and a half. When we picked him up, uh, I, I thought he was three, so I had about five years of, of uh, time with him. And it's the same way, like he was like a I don't know, when I when I shot him, he's probably like upper 140s type deer, and he was never, he was like always probably 130 to upper 140s he never he never like grew much at all he looked the same every year he's a 10 point every single year mainframe you know and but it's just cool like that um when you can grow history with a deer like that and really just kind of like more than anything kind of grow more massive and just look older every year and you're just finally like man you know what that's a cool deer right there you know
7: yep and the really important thing about this deer was uh he was kind of named after an old boss. He was a goofy deer when he was really young and uh, named him after my boss joking around and, <laughs> <laughs> but come to come to fruition, uh, my boss, that boss actually ended up passing away like a year oh. later from a heart attack. And mm. I've hunted that property ever since. And so it was kind of, kind of bittersweet when I was at able to end the chapter with that deer
2: sure dude i understand that that sentiment uh that we have in whitetail some in whitetail hunting sometimes is just like the best part of it you know
7: that it was almost like the lord was watching over that day because like i said it was perfect the wind was coming right down the funnel this and that was literally the first deer i saw and the only deer i saw the whole day Mm -hmm,
2: mm-hmm mm-hmm Man, that's cool. And it was like seven I feel that way o'clock. too, man. And it was like, like seven a,
7: o'clock when he came
2: out. Oh, man, so it's such—I don't know—those moments, man. Like we get to shoot maybe a couple deer a year sometimes, and it's just like when that happens, man. It's just like you said; it just feels like such a blessing, man. It's a cool thing. But anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about how, um, like, why you decided to hunt that deer because I, w- I w- I'm kind of interested. You talked about a temperature drop there. Is that what brought you out into the woods? Um, Do you normally wait for a temperature drop this time of year, or are you just hunting hard no matter what, trying to find a place to scratch one out?
7: Um, Right now, like this year, I would hunt pretty hard on bedding areas and stuff, but it's been so dry this year that most of our deer movement has been after dark. Mm -hmm. So, yeah that's exactly what brought me out of the woods i've actually been chasing mule deer for that reason because the white tail has been predominantly nocturnal and Mm -hmm. i uh had that 20 percent or that 20 degree temperature drop and i just said heck might as well go sit in the stand and (laughs) it all just kind
2: of unfolded perfectly so were were you on a like a field edge on the edge of the beans when you shot him?
7: Yeah. So there's just this little teeny strip of timber. That's it's literally a triangle, like a funnel, that brings all the deer through it right to the beans out of the CRP. And mm-hmm. yep, and they all end cool. up in the beans. They either come back in there through there in the morning and then back out there through the night.
2: Cool. Well, let me ask you this, dude. Can those, deer, can those deer see a road or people on a road from, from where they end up in the field there? Yeah, they
7: actually have to cross a road in between the, the trees and the bean field to get there. And there's a wow. highway only about 300 yards
2: away. <laughs> Man, so basically those, those deer will still come out in daylight this time of year, despite having to cross a road and or being like a visual... Uh, spot towards a road
7: 90% of the time, they won't, man. And that's why it was kind of almost bittersweet because I didn't expect anything to happen. And right, I just yeah. you know, I knew that there was a good chance because of the temperature drop and maybe it would get him up on his feet, and it sure did.
2: Man, that's awesome, dude. That's it's so cool. So, as far as like bedding areas go, uh, that if you're You know, say on a normal year, you said you would probably be hunting closer to bedding areas and stuff this time of year. Can you talk about that a little bit, like what your setup usually looks like and what you kind of prefer and how how to get in there and, and, you know, all the different kind kind of tactical things involved around that?
7: Yeah, so usually earlier in the year, we're only predominantly hunting evening hunts just because all the bedding areas are like off open fields like little teeny thickets that are maybe 1 2 acres at the most and you can't really get into them in the mornings because all the deer are out in the ag fields of course so you get you got to sneak in there in the evenings while they're still in their bed and just kind of hope they come out at last light or whatever because gotcha. heat. and yeah yeah um, okay mostly on the edges of the- soybean fields this time of year until that last green soybean field uh turns over and then they'll be headed towards the corn but and then then that's kind of a whole other ball game you know what i mean
2: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so um would you say that you, you seem to think that this was kind of a providential experience where this buck walked by you that day it, it kind of seemed like you weren't expecting much. What would you say the deer activity has been like in the past week or so? Scale of one to 10.
7: I would say probably a four during daylight. or gotcha. three, three or four during daylight, just because, yep. I mean, we've had highs 97, 98, 99 <clears throat> to 103 in the last four days. So, but yep. coming up, it's probably going to be, you know, six or seven because we're going to have a 30 degree temperature drop this evening into some rain, into some real foggy morning tomorrow morning and more rain tomorrow morning.
2: All right, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Cool weather this time of year. My neck starts swelling. I just I about <laughs> make a scrape. I'm telling you, dude.
7: Yeah, I'm, yeah. It's definitely it's- starting to feel like deer season. It's getting the blood boiling, man.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Hey, let me ask you one more question. Um, how do you feel about runs?es
7: <laughs> That is an odd question, but um, I <laughs> I do not like runs.es Really? I'm not. Are a you mid- picky? I'm not a Midwestern born boy. Actually, I'm. I was oh, okay. born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. So,
2: really? Yep. Uh, you ever do any fly fishing out there?
7: I I've done a little bit. I
2: no.
7: I moved out of there when I was. 14 15 and uh wasn't really the best situation so i was uh never really got to do a lot of that stuff till i moved out to nebraska so
2: sure well i um i've had a few runs in there they are fast food type runs i don't know if like the the homemade ones are better or not but i'm sure they are yes um but yeah the the fast food ones i i did the southwestern flavor and I, I gotta say i liked it pretty good man it's 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 a treat because we get pretty bogged down with burgers and fries on the road you know so uh i'll definitely take something like that when i get it but i'm uh i'm actually a little bit surprised to hear you just don't like the of man
7: i think it's more just living in a little town i've eaten everything that's here so many <laughs> times you know what i mean yeah i guess well of it. i like to cook my own meals and
2: Me too. (laughs) Me too, man. Well, I appreciate the information, man. I'm looking forward to uh, being in Nebraska at some point myself, especially with your report here of it being in a pretty good deer movement coming up. So uh, thanks for taking the time, Ron, and we'll be talking to you sometime soon, man. Yep. Thank you, man. Big congrats to these fellows that were able to punch tags this week. I hope any of you listening out there are able to use the info from them to make some success of your own this week. Like was mentioned last week, Hunter's Velvet Buck video from Tennessee has released on the Element YouTube channel, and Mark's first episode of his new Deer Country series has released on the Meat Eater channel as well. Also, early teal seasons have begun to open across the state, so if you're needing to make some room in the freezer with last year's waterfowl, the Meat Eater website has a new goose stew recipe that'll help you turn tough, dark meat into pass me more of that gravy. Lastly, remember, stay fresh. This has been Rut Fresh Radio.